Amen. So we're gonna dig. I am actually going to hand this phone back over to my wife. She's actually my cameraman today. She's making sure the camera stays up, doesn't fall over, and, and, and makes sure that uh, uh, we're still staying connected and all those good things that comes with uh, going live via the internet. And uh, I want to dig into what we, what God has laid on my heart. The first thing I want to I want to do is, is excerpt from the book uh, called Victory Over the Darkness. It's called Victory Over the Darkness. Um, my wife and I started to read these. I think she may be done. Are you done with this? Almost. She is almost done with this and she is loving this book. I haven't had it much time she has it. But she told me a story um, in this book that she came across and was so powerful. But I believe it, it fits today and, and what we're going to talk about is how Jesus pursues us. Uh, he, he relentlessly pursues us, um, even before we're born, even before he knows us, uh, even before we know him. And so I want to read this, um, so bear with me as, uh, um, as we get into this little, this little story, and, and then we'll get into John chapter 4. But it says, uh, before the turn of the 20th century, there was a mental hospital in the, in the suburbs of Boston. It housed several... Um, disturbed and mentally ill individuals and, and one of the patients was a girl and, and they simply called her Little Ann. And every time I think of little, little Annie or Little Ann, it makes me think of my daughter, Michaela, her middle name is Ann. Um, but her name was simply called Little Annie. That's all they called her. And she was totally unresponsive to all people in, in this mental hospital. She didn't respond. She wasn't talking. She, she was silent. And the staff tried everything um, to try to get her help. They tried to get her to talk. Bring her up out, whatever she was dealing with. But finally, um, because they were looking at hope in this little girl, they confined her to a cell in the basement of the mental hospital, giving up all hopelessness. I mean, think about this. This little girl, they placed her in a basement, in a basement cell, and, and gave up hope on her. I, I, I couldn't fathom that. I mean, it's, it's awful, right? But there was a Christian woman, a Christian woman who worked at this mental hospital, and she believed that every one of God's creatures creatures needed love, concern, and care. So she decided to spend her lunch hours in front of little Annie's cell, reading her and praying that God would free her from her prison of silence. And day after day, the Christian woman came to little Annie's door and read, but the little girl did not respond. Months went by. The woman tried to talk with little Annie, but it was like talking to an empty cell. She brought little tokens of food for the girl, but they were never received. She, she wouldn't eat. But then one day, a brownie was missing from the plate that the carry woman, um, carry woman retrieved from little Annie's cell. And, and encouraged, she continued to read and, to her and pray for her. And eventually, the little girl began to answer the woman through the bars of her cell. Soon the woman convinced the doctors that little Annie needed a second chance at treatment. They brought her up from the basement and continued to work with her. Within two years, little Annie was told that she could leave the asylum and enjoy normal life. Two years! She chose not to leave, though. She was so grateful for the love and attention that she was given by the dedicated Christian woman that she decided to stay and love others as she had been loved. So little Annie stayed on at her institution to work with other patients who were suffering as she had suffered. Nearly half a century later, the Queen of England held a special ceremony to honor one of the most inspiring women in the United States, Helen Keller. And when asked to what she would attribute to her, her assess, at overcoming the dual hardship of blindness and deafness, Helen Keller replied, if it hadn't been for Ann Sullivan, 
I wouldn't be here today. Anne Sullivan, who tenaciously loved and believed in an incorrigible blind and deaf girl named Helen Keller, was little Annie, because one selfless Christian woman in the dungeon of an insane asylum believed that a hopeless little girl needed God's love, the world received the marvelous gift of Helen Keller. And man, I didn't know that story. I did not know the story that I did not know the story of Ann Sullivan being in a mental asylum, and I, ne I definitely never heard of a Christian woman whose name goes unknown. We don't know her name. I, I'm not sure. Maybe we did a little bit more background. We might, uh, but I figured um, the author, uh, Neil Anderson, would have put that in his book if he would have known the Christian woman's name, so I'm sure he did his um, um, investigation over that. But here's what stood out to me. There's a few things that stood out to me. But one of the biggest things is how God placed this Christian woman in Ann Sullivan's life that eventually would touch the life of Helen Keller, who would touch the lives of so many others. And it shows me the pursuit of God's grace in our lives, that God pursues us and prepares ways and makes ways for us to have a relationship with him even before we're born and he does it through people and, and through others and, and events and all these things he does it in all kinds of ways because he desires a wonderful personal relationship with us and it was just it just blew my mind when my wife told me that story and because i also thought about who was the person that spoke god's love into the Christian woman's life that spoke against the Man, what a, what a beautiful story of God's grace, a beautiful story of those being the hands and feet of Christ. But it's also a beautiful story of how God pursues us relentlessly. He relentlessly pursues us. And he was doing it even before Helen Keller was alive. And he does the same for you and I. There's another woman, um, there's another woman in the Bible who Jesus pursued. I want to read this and I want to get into some points that uh, God has been placing on my heart and speaking to me because this message is so much for me as it is for you. I needed to hear these words that God was speaking to me this week. How he is pursuing me and how he has never stopped pursuing me and, and will never stop pursuing me. And so let's go ahead, if you have your Bibles, and turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 4. It's a very familiar story, um, but I want to read through this passage, and then, that can, and then I want you to just kind of keep it in the back of your mind as we begin to talk about um, some of these points that God has laid on my heart. Um, but we're going to read, again, read through this. I'll give you a second. John chapter 4, cha verse 4 is where we're going to start. It's the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And I want us to just kind of have this in the back of our mind as we talk about um, the, the idea of God pursuing us. Jesus' relentless pursuit of humanity, which I am so thankful for this morning, giving God praise for. It starts out like this in John chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. Now he, this Jesus, had to go through Samaria. I love that part right there at the very beginning. Speaking of um, Jesus' need and Jesus' desire, his intent, because he was intentional about this. This wasn't just something he was lastly basically doing or, or just mindlessly going about. 
he had to go to Samaria because he knew what was about to take place. He knew this woman he was about to meet. So it says now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sinkar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, well enough to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he explained everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. And then we see later that the woman goes off and tells everyone about Jesus and how he knew everything about her and others came and because of, of her was starting to believe others started to believe but because it was Jesus's pursuit of this woman he said I have to go through Samaria Samaria he didn't there was routes around Samaria and, and actually uh, many Jews if not uh, most of the Jews um, went around Samaria Samaria because they didn't want to go through they disliked they even hated Samaritans, and so they would take a longer route around. But Jesus said, there is no other route I need to take. I must go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman that he needed to meet with to tell her that he had come. Jesus pursued her. Jesus pursued her. Jesus pursued this woman. I want to read to you Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 6. Because not only does Jesus pursue us and, and in pursuit and, and starts a relationship with us, but he also completes it. And this is what Philippians chapter 1 6 says. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus. Now I want to give you a little background of 
before uh, about going into this message and how God started laying it on my heart and why this means so much to me and hopefully it means a lot to you and hopefully it encourages you. I'm praying that this message encourages your heart what God has laid on my heart um, because it really has encouraged me um, and that how God has been speaking to me about this idea of Him pursuing me even after a relationship with Him that He never stops. Um, but leading that to this, I, be, I started having times in my life in the last, ah, I would say in the last few years really, it's been a while, uh, uh, be believing that my past actions have led to a relationship with Christ that was possibly broken or, or, or never could be as it was at the beginning. I don't know about you, have you ever had these times, this is where I like how people so because I like that interaction to where uh, it can never be the same. That your relationship couldn't be the same or, or could I ever get back to where it was or, or you feel like you've marred your relationship with Christ. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you've had, uh, that you've done something where you felt like, you know, I'm telling you, like in the last couple of years, I, I've kind of felt like, like, like I couldn't get back to that deep personal relationship with God and I was fighting for it. Right? I was fighting for it, and I'm praying for it, and, and I'm seeking it, and, and, and I'm doing this work of trying to receive, or, or in my own mind, I guess, uh, of trying to get back to this to this relationship with with God that I that I that I had that I thought that I only had in the past, and, and I was beginning to think that I had marred my relationship with Christ, and that it would never be the same. And, and, and that's discouraging. That, that, that's, and, and let me tell you straight up from the, before we even go any further. That's the work of the enemy trying to keep you from receiving God's grace and understanding um, who God is and who Christ is and the love he has for you. And that he relentlessly pursues you even to death on the cross, which I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, so don't, don't let that happen to you or at least cry out to God and receive what he has for you, okay? I was feeling this way because I want you to understand, see, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I, I, I do things. I try to get things accomplished. I like checkoff lists. And I like checkoff lists because uh, I always I have some OCD and my mind goes a mile a minute and I can't stop thinking about things. And, and I'm a checkoff list and, and, I, and I write things down for I won't forget it and I check it off. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I don't know, maybe some of you guys are like that, okay? And I'm a doer, though. I'm a, I'm a check off. I, I got things to do, and I'll get it accomplished, right? I'm a, I'm accomplished. I can look over my life, and, I, and if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And, and I get it accomplished. It's going to happen, right? And so I'm kind of a, a, a perfectionist in, in, what I, in the sense of I want to be perfect, but I'm not perfect. And because I'm not perfect, that discourages me. It's a never-ending cycle. It just circles around. And so when you get discouraged, you don't do your best because you are discouraged. So therefore, you're not going to do as good as you know you can do. So then you're upset because you're not doing as good as you know you can do. And then you do even not as good as you could do. Okay, you see the circle? It just keeps going. And, 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 and so because I'm a fighter, I, I, I'm, I'm one who feels I should earn my keep, you know, do my part, you know, I, I feel that, that, do my part, 
and earn my keep. Um, and that kind of got the idea of it, it, what you bleed is what you get mentality, right? I have that this mentality. That's the kind of person, and the kind of the person that's like this tends to forget that I don't have to do things to earn or to keep a relationship with Christ. I don't have to do things to do that. I don't have to earn his relationship. I, 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 I can't do any more to earn more love from God because he loved me even while I was yet a sinner, even death to a cross. I, I can't do any more to earn his love, to earn a relationship. He already has done that work. He, he has already invited me. He already is pursuing me and, and continues to pursue me. And it's a beautiful thing when you begin to think about that. Christ is, He is fighting for me. He is interceding for me. Christ has the tight grip on me. God is teaching me this week that His seeking and pursuit for me never ends. Amen? And I thought about what, and I'm going to mention this here in a few minutes, but why would, why would God trust me to hold on to Him? To have a grip on Him? God has a firm grip on me. God has a firm grip on me. So God's been teaching me that this week. And in this passage, we can see that Jesus' relentless pursuit of humanity and in Philippians 1.6 that, that we are taught that he brings it to completion as well. We can see in this passage that we read, he does this as he relentlessly pursued the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Not caring what others may think, not caring what others may say, this woman needed him and he relentlessly pursued her and did what it took. And he does the same for us. And so I want to look, I want to look at a few points um, this morning of uh, Jesus' grace pursuing us and, and then an application um, that comes with that. Um, and hopefully that encourages you this morning. And he, I want to encourage you, first and foremost, again, with this idea that His grace pursues us. And in that His grace pursues us, it pursues us even before our lives begin. Even before our lives begin, God is, is making a way for you to have an opportunity to come to Him. The first way we know He did that is by the work on the cross. The work on the cross which extended provenient grace, His grace to all people that we could thus accept Him as He is wooing and drawn us to Himself. It starts there. But in, even, but in that provenient grace, God has prepared other people and other ways and other avenues to reach us, and we see that in the story of Helen Keller. We see that in the story of Helen Keller, as God had already been ministering to other people and wound and drawn themselves, that he knew that they too would then minister to Anne Solomon and then to Helen Keller. Also, God was preparing and placing people in specific jobs and places that they would be his hands and feet that they would be there in place for others that would come along. God was making a way, an avenue, for others to receive His grace. The Christian woman who was in the insane asylum, God had placed her there. She was obedient 
and going where God had placed her, and being in that place that God had placed her, she was obedient to telling others about her God, about Jesus, and in that, Helen Keller came to know Christ because the Christian woman ministered to Annie, who everyone had given up, but then Anne Sullivan, by the love she experienced through the Christian woman, extended that love to Helen Keller and had a relationship with that God prepares a way for us, is pursuing us, even before our lives begin. He was preparing our lady at the well. Think about this. In verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, or verse 5, let's start with verse 5, it says, So he came to town of Samaria, called Sinkar, near the flood of ground Jacob had been given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Ha, ha, ha. Jacob's well was there. Think about this. The place where he called Jacob to make and prepare a well was a place that would draw this woman out because it was a place where she would have to go and get water for years later that he knew that he could come and meet with her. Jesus relentlessly pursues us and wants to be with us. And he makes a way and is making way even before our lives Again, he is setting things in motion. Secondly, his grace pursues us right where we are. I give God praise for this, right? That Jesus' grace pursues us right where we are. Even before our relationship begins, even while we were yet sinners, he is pursuing us and reaching us and pouring out his grace upon us as he desires a relationship with us. You see this as the woman again, the woman at the well, that right where she was, he met her. He met her as a Samaritan. He met her as a woman. He met her in her sin. He met her and, 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 and did not talk down to her. He spoke to her. He loved on her. He, 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 Jesus has a way of speaking to us, don't he? And a way of speaking to us that convicts us, but yet in the same way reveals his love to us. Man, I, I, it's amazing how he's able to do this. And, then, and he's doing this with this woman at the world, and he's beating her right where she is, in the midst of her sin, in the midst of her discouragement. I mean, you got to think about this woman. Many of you have heard her story. She's coming out to draw water at noon noontime when the sun is beating down it is the hottest part of the day she is coming out to draw water why she's trying to stay away from others other women who may be coming out but she don't have to hear the gossip she don't have to hear the whispers she don't have to feel the shame because of her life and her past life and so she's coming out to the well at noon and jesus is meeting her at high noon in the midst of the hottest part of the day he is meeting her right where she is and meeting her needs and pouring grace into her life he is pursuing her relentlessly. What a beautiful picture of God's love and grace. Jesus pursues us after the relationship begins and continues. Jesus gave up everything to pursue. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. If you allow me to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. We're going to read it through verse 8. It says, Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking up the very nature of a servant, he had made in human likeness. And being 
surrounded appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death to the cross. Jesus gave up everything to pursue us, his creation. Those of us who were made out of dirt. Those of us, all of us who have turned our backs on him. Who have spat on him. Forgot about him. All these things. Jesus gave up everything to pursue us. I wrote down here and I was thinking about, you know, the idea that Jesus would do anything and everything to start a relationship with us apart from sin. But then something hit me. That not only would he pursue and do anything and everything to pursue us, but he even took on sin. We knew no sin that we might have a relationship. God gave up everything to pursue us. This is provenient grace, guys. This is provenient grace. And I see provenient grace with, uh, I think of two words that come to my mind when I, when I think of provenient grace. I think of pursuit and providence. Pursuit and providence. Jesus pursues us. He, he comes after us. I looked at the, the word pursuit, and I like what it said. It said it's oppressively constant. Oppressively constant. Oppressively constant. Jesus is coming after us. Okay? This idea. And, and, and that his providence is the idea that he is preparing all the avenues and placing people in, in different walks and different places so that they would be his hands and feet. So they would be in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to either receive Christ or, or, or tell others of Christ that they may receive as well. And God is making these ways and placing us. And you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of God's pursuit of humanity. Jesus' relentless pursuit of humanity, you get to be a part of that as you are his hands and feet. That's awesome. That's amazing. So maybe, I almost think you for a second before I'm moving, maybe you're thinking that where you are, that you're at a dead end. Maybe you're thinking that the place you are, that, 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 that this seems like um, you can't do nothing or that there's nothing there. Let me tell you, God has a purpose and a plan, even right where you are, and, and allow Him to speak to you and use you. And because there is people in your midst, maybe your neighbors, uh, maybe your co-workers, your family, your friends, God has placed you where you are, in that particular place, at the particular time, that you may be an avenue that he could pursue someone that they would have a relationship with him. Man, our God is amazing. But there was a, 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 a thing posted on Facebook that really spoke to me, and, and I loved it. And, and it, it comes to this idea of God's provenient grace and how God provides for us and, and is pursuing us even before we're alive, even before uh, events transpire. And it said, long before, this is what it said on Facebook, it said, long before Zacchaeus could see Jesus, the already planned to meet his needs. Let me say it again. Long before Zacchaeus could see Jesus, the already planned to meet his needs. Man, I, I, I sometimes, I don't think we, we, we take enough time to really sit and think about all the ways God has provided and provided for us that he would pursue us and, 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 and have a relationship with all these avenues that he has done. It is all around us. Things that we don't even think about. I'm thinking about right now, the very stand that my phone is on, 
I can speak here right now, was made way before, and I'm certain was made without the idea or even the thought that this right here would now be taking place to where I can speak to you guys. Or the very phone that's videoing right now to where we can have this moment. God is amazing. Lastly, before we get into application, is that His grace pursues us unto completion. His grace pursues us unto completion. He finishes the work. I'm sure the woman at the well, He finished the work. He stayed two more days, and we know continue the ministry. We know, and others came to believe. We know that He finishes the work. He's not done with us. But He says and promises that He will finish the work in us, as we read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Yeah, the end of the work that he has begun with us, he will bring to completion. He finishes the work. He will never let go of us. He will never leave nor forsake us. Don't ever think that you have done anything to lessen God's pursuit of you. That's what I started doing. And God started speaking to me this week. And I thought that there were things in my life that I've done that had lessened God's pursuit of me. His, his, his providential hand upon me where he where, where maybe I've lessened his outpouring grace where I've lessened to where he wasn't able to meet my needs as much because I've lessened or he wasn't quite there where I couldn't hear from him and all these things but don't ever think that you've done anything to lessen God's pursuit of you and, and preparing and making ways for you in reality it's in these things that God's grace abounds that his grace is poured out all the more it's not that we should purposely sin that his grace would abound Paul says, should we, Paul addresses that. Should we sin all the more that his grace may abound? God forbid. But God's grace is there for when we have fallen, or if we have messed up, or if we have fallen into temptation, whatever it may be, it says his grace abounds and it's poured out all the more. His power is poured out all the more to lift us up, to raise us up, to hold us, to strengthen us. To lead us and guide us and encourage us. God's grace is amazing. And He constantly pursues us. Again, I said this earlier. Why would we then ever, or why would God ever rely or want us to rely on our own ability to hold on to Him? God is holding on to us. God is holding on to us. I was thinking yesterday when I was out here um, preparing my message and we're about to bring this to a close. And I was looking at the water out here and I, and I was thinking about someone who goes out to swim and possibly starts to drown. Maybe they get a cramp in their leg or they're not the greatest swimmer or they get trapped by a current. And they're out there and they're drowning and they're splashing around and, and they can't make their way to the shore. And they're out there in the middle of danger, dying. And the Savior seeks and pursues them. The Savior sees the one drowning. The Savior sees them drowning. And the Savior seeks and pursues them with no regard for his own life or the danger ahead. He, he counts it counts it as nothing. And he jumps in the water to save this person that is drowning. They fight to get to the victim. They fight through the current. They fight through the, 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 the dangers. And they get out to the victim. And the Savior grabs and holds on to the victim. And the Savior is bringing that person to safety. 
And the other thing is that this, this saving is done so much easier, and some of you may have experienced this, the saving is done so much easier and with less pain and hurt if the person who is out there drowning just lets go and trust and rest in the arms of the Savior. If the person out there fights the Savior, if he's fighting him, and he's kicking, and he's punching, and he's grabbing, and he's clawing, it's so much harder for that Savior to hold on and bring them to safety rather than if they just would let go and trust and rest in the arms of the Savior. See, we must not fight against God's grace by, stri by striving to hold on to it, but let go and rest in it. Let me say it again. We must not fight against God's grace, because I feel like I've done this, okay? And I want you guys to get this. We must not fight against God's grace by striving to hold on to it, but to let go and rest in it. Man, that's a whole other way of thinking about it, guys. That's a whole other way of just of just wrapping your mind around the idea that I don't have to strive for God's grace, I rest in it. There's so much freedom there, there's so much peace there. There's, there's um, this should cause, uh, that should uh, deliver you from anxiety and, and, and all and all these, and, and being tired and all these things, because you don't have to fight for God's grace. The work is done. He relentlessly pursues you. He relentlessly pours His grace upon you. He is holding tightly and firmly gripping you. He has prepared a way for you. He is placing people in your life. He, he, is, he has done things and, and made pathways. He has the tight grip upon you. We must see that his pursuit and tenacity to have, to hold, and to keep us does not stop once we say yes. It intensifies as he holds us close, protects, provides, and strengthens us. Jesus is holding on to us. We can rest. We can release and be free and secured in him. We can trust and know that he has us. God never stops pursuing. Jesus relentlessly. You and me. Give God praise for that. And He is holding on to you. He is holding on to me. And if I want to grow in His grace, if I want to grow in His grace, and I want to have that freedom in His grace, and I want it to pour out all the more, and I want it to be so much easier for God to be able to do this, and for Him to meet my needs, then I want to let go. Stop striving to obtain His grace. Realize it is already been given to me. It's by grace given to God's unmerited favor. Why do I strive? Let go, trust, and that's Before he was born, he was relentlessly pursuing you. During your relationship with you, he was relentlessly pursuing you. Pouring his grace upon you. He will 
ever start so good. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful grace. Thank you so much for your relentless pursuit. Father, help us lie so help us to, to not strive but to fight fight Help us to let go and rest in your grace and your arms, knowing that you have us. And it's by your power, your grace, that we will free peacefully. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. I love you. I always like closing this over. I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. Remember to walk by faith, not by sight. Live by the Spirit. Because of death and flesh. May God bless you. Till we meet again. In Jesus' name. Amen.